Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Sam Tizzle. Sam, it's a pleasure to have you on the show and I hope all is well. All is very well, mate. Really enjoyed the show last week. Had a few winners there as well. Uh, hopefully, with the Premier League coming back in now, this is where I think I'll really come into my own, to be honest with you. So, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we're going to start the season with an absolute bang. Yes, fingers crossed there. Last week was a pre-season warm-up. Now we're getting straight into it. So, last but certainly not least, is Jamie Brown. Jamie, how are you feeling about the Harry Kane situation? Are you a bit more relaxed? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been a real saga and it's one that I kind of hope will end very soon. I'm sure it will do, of course, with the season starting on the weekend. Um, I think it's been made very clear that Spurs and, and Kane both won a resolution before that match. So, obviously, with only a couple of days left until the season, um, I'm sure we'll find out. It looks like Bayern is still some way off kind of matching that valuation. So, uh, as a Spurs fan, I'm, uh, I'm delighted that he will be staying. Um, of course, today, I'm actually filming from a different location. I'm in Barcelona at the moment. Um, Spurs played Barcelona on uh, Tuesday evening, so last night in terms of when we were recording. Um, yeah, it was an amazing evening, obviously, watching a very new Spurs team under Ange Postacoglu. It was a very entertaining game. Uh, it was second string Spurs 11, and... Um, they played very well. It was very encouraging. It's just, um, for, for, as a Spurs perspective, having seen such dull football over the last three or four years, it was nice to see a team that was looking to play on the front foot. Um, and yeah, really encouraging performance and uh, just a fantastic evening in Barcelona. So uh, yeah, obviously, as I mentioned, Premier League back on the weekend and uh, really, really looking forward to talking about it on the show. Well, just to clarify, we don't have an extravagant travel budget. Jamie's trip is self-funded. So before you're sort of worrying <laughs> where these people are going, Jamie's done it all off his own back. So kudos to you. But that's all the intros out of the way. Let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. OK, where should we start first? Well, the Premier League finally returns on Friday night and what better way to get us started than Burnley taking on Manchester City. So, Sam, let's start the season with a bold one. 7-1 to one for the Clarets to pull off a shock win. Do you fancy a bit of that? Our survey says... <coughs> Manchester City absolutely panned Burnley every time they've played in the last 11 meetings. They've literally won every game at a counter. So, when they met in the FA Cup last season, I think we all saw that it got destroyed 6-0. Uh, as much as they had a great season in the Championship last season, the company... You can see there was a clear difference in levels there. Uh, I'm sad to say, because my dad and my cousins are all, uh, my aunties are all Burnley fans. Uh, but I think they're going to take one hell of a beating when it comes to it this weekend. And I think Manchester City are going to start off the season on a strong foot. Well, that's it, Jamie, because when City lose, they are like a wounded animal. And the next team in line kind of braces themselves for impact. So this City side were unfortunate to lose the Community Shield. They were seconds away from winning it. Do you reckon the 3-10 to 10 win on Friday night is a simple way to go here? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, obviously, I think Man City will win this one. But I don't think it's going to be quite a formality as kind of everyone is maybe expecting. Um, as I said, I do think City will eventually come out on top. But I think given that it's at Turf Moor, obviously, the, the opening day of the season, that Friday night game, I think it's going to be one where Burnley are going to want to put in a really big performance. The crowd are going to be right behind them as well. So I think that's going to make it difficult for Manchester City. So... I think this is maybe going to be a low-scoring win for, for City here and they, they will eventually break Burnley down. But 
think they will have some struggles maybe early on and, and maybe in the latter stages they kind of get the goal to win it. Um, so I prefer the look of a Man City win and under 2.5 goals at 11-4. to As I said, City to come out on top, but uh, Burnley to make it bit, a bit of a contest and hope for an exciting opening day to the season. Yeah, I think it certainly needs something else to add to that bet. I think if you're going in at 3-10 to 10 on the opening day of the season, it's not very exciting. So I think good good package of bets there, Jamie. So let's focus on the team which won the Community Shield, that being Arsenal, of course. So Sam, they welcome a Nottingham Forest side that not won any of their last 10 away outings. And with this in mind, would the home win to nil, odds of 10-11, to 11, be of interest to you? Yeah, so it's an, an interesting one is this one. Forest have been a little bit of a bogey side for Arsenal uh, recently. The last time they played, they beat... To beat them 1 0 is a big part of obviously Arsenal's season. You can have you fallen apart in terms of claiming the Premier League. But in the last four meetings between the sides, neither, there's never been a both teams to score. So both teams have taken, uh, well, what we've seen here is Arsenal 5 0 and 5 0 in their two wins. Then Nottingham Forest turned it around the other times, 1 0 wins for Forest. So there's something there with Arsenal and Forest where you just don't know really what to expect. I think with this one, I probably will take Arsenal for the win here to nil. Um, with them being at home, the first game of the season, I think 10-11 to 11 is not too bad a value, to be quite honest with you. I think they'll be really up to starting the season strongly. We saw against City, you know, there'll be some resolute defending, I think, there. And I think Forrest as well, I'm a bit a bit apprehensive about how Forest season's going to go, to be quite honest with you. So, Forrest, uh, sorry, Arsenal to win to nil at 10-11 to 11 would be a little bit of value for me. Yeah, I think it's a good way to ease yourself into the Premier League season. But Jamie, let's go a bit harder now. Let's go for the first goal scorer. What player takes your fancy before Saturday lunchtime? Yeah, I mean, I've gone for a slightly different one and maybe a little bit of a risky one because, as we know, with Arsenal, they've obviously brought in Kai Havertz and he was obviously starting on the weekends. But um, I've gone for them to maybe make a change in attack and uh, Leandro Trossard to come in. Um, obviously, he came in on the weekend off the bench and, and scored the equaliser to send it to the shootout. So... Um, yeah, I really like the look of him. I think he could be a guy that does maybe make his way into the eleven on the weekends. Um, as I said, I think the Gunners, they looked a bit lethargic with, with Havertz up top. I'm not sure that's really the way to go for them. We're, we're playing Havertz as a centre-forward was whilst Jesus is out. Uh, we saw Leandro Trossard at times do that last season for Arsenal um, when, when uh, Gabriel Jesus was out. So I think they might try to, try to do the same again here. So I'm going to go for Leandro Trossard as the first goal scorer at 5-1. to one. Lovely stuff. Let's move on now. Let's look at the outright markets before a ball is kicked. And the race for the Premier League title will once again see City favourites odds of 8-11. to 11. But Sam, now that Pep has climbed the Champions League mountain, is there going to be a drop-off at the Etihad? I can't see it personally. I think Pep, I think he holds his team to certain standards, doesn't he? As we've seen down the years. And I think, I think unfortunately, the bookies have kind of got it right with the price at 8-11 for them to, to be lifting the trophy this season. I, think, I do think City, again, will have dominant periods of the league this season. I think they will go on to win it as well. There's actually something that I've looked at as well. So, obviously, City completed the treble last season. So, the quadruple, if you want to back the quadruple, it's 70 to 1. I mean, for me, it's a tiny bit tempting, is that? I've actually had a little bit of the punt on it. 70 to 1 for me seems like big odds. I'm saying, I'm not saying, obviously, I'm confident in selection, but at 70 to 1, there's been something about this lured me in. So, I've had 70 to 1 of the quadruple as well. Uh, so I think City are in for another big season. And there's been a few changes. Obviously, Gundogan's a big mess in one or two other players that have gone out as well. But I just think that Pep finds a way when it comes to it. OK, then, Jamie, if City fail to make it six title wins from seven, then all eyes are going to be on Arsenal to go one better. They are currently five to one to move up to the top step of the Premier League. But how does two to one for a top two finish sound instead? 
Yeah, I, for, for me, I think Arsenal were nailed on to kind of finish in that top two. I think that uh, obviously Manchester City as well were there. So I think that that's, that's the one that's definitely sorted um, in terms of those top two. So the two for one, yeah, two to one even, um, I definitely would take that. Um, look, with Arsenal, I think they've just what they've done is they've strengthened in key areas, obviously added depth to that squad as well. We've seen the likes of uh, Declan Rice come in, Yuri and Timber, who I really like. Kai Havertz, obviously David Rare as well. He looks like he'll be coming in. So plenty of depth there for Arsenal, maybe to kind of go, you know, last for the whole season, compete in the Champions League as well. So top two for me is, is almost a definite. I think the other team that might try to push them is Manchester United. I, I do like United and they might try to break into that top two, but I just don't see them being as good as Arsenal and I just don't see any other team being as good as Arsenal or City. So for top two, um, I'd definitely go that way. But uh, in terms of coming out, on top and, and being the champions, I just think Man City are going to be too good. It'll be interesting to see kind of how Man City are this season, having lost some key players as well. Obviously, Riyad Mahrez has gone, Gundogan has gone as well, their captain. So that'd be interesting. But I just think that Pep, what he does so well is he refreshes his team. Obviously, we, we mentioned last year with Sterling, Jesus going, people all said the same. You know, was losing key players, losing a bit of depth, was that going to affect them? It didn't in the end. And, uh, I think it'll be the same case here. So uh, I think Manchester Manchester City will come up top. So five to one isn't too appealing to me for Arsenal to win it, but uh, two to one to, to finish in that top two uh, for sure. I really like that one. Yeah, I'll take the insurance there. You know, you never know. Arsenal might go one better, but across thirty-eight games, if you're placing the bet now. We wait until May. I think two to one is probably the right balance between risk and reward. Now, of course, there's risk at the bottom of the table because three teams will get relegated into the championship at the end of the season. So the trapdoor is ready to collect a trio of teams. Wolves' odds have plummeted over the summer. They may have plummeted since I've done my notes because I wrote my notes 24 hours ago. That's being Tuesday morning. They were 5-2 at the time. That was with Julian Lopetegui in charge. He's gone. So Sam, do you reckon it's a fair price? Yeah, do you know what? My notes have completely changed as well. I think it's a fair price, honestly. Gary Neal is looking to be the manager to replace him now. I think that's a good appointment. Uh, I really liked what Gary O'Neill did at Bournemouth last season. I think he was probably the harshest sacking we, we saw uh, in the in the English Football League last season. So I think it's good to see Gary O'Neill get another chance. I think 5-2 is possibly around the, the right price. I think there's still a lot of work to be done at Wolves. I think losing Ruben Nevis was a, was a massive blow, I think, for them. And I think we've seen over the last couple of seasons that attacking-wise, I do think they struggle to convert chances and I don't know how the defence is going to hold up this season. I think it's it's a lot of pressure on that defence to hold up and keep them keep them afloat because the rest of the Premier League spending. I don't see Wolves really doing so much with that team. I think they're just they're lacking a bit of ambition. I think in the transfer markets recently, and I think this, yeah, obviously been unrest in the dressing room with the manager before. Whether that uh, sort of drips into Gary O'Neill's. Dressing room, I'm not sure. I don't think it will. I think Gary Neal will address it, but I think it's going to be a long season for Wolves, and I think 5-2 is probably right on the money. Well, let's look at the players that have left Molyneux in the last couple of months. You've had Raul Jimenez to Fulham. Admittedly, not the same striker since his injury, but still a loss. Uh, Neves, of course, to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Moutinho's gone out on an end of contract. So has Adama Traore. So four key players there. And they struggled to address goals last season. You take those four players out of the equation, it's only going to get worse you look at teams like Leicester last season, they were hamstrung by FFP. The title was you know, too big to go down all that. Look what happens. So you kind of look at Wolves and think, do you know what? Lightning might strike twice in the Midlands. But Jamie, let's take the three promoted teams out of the equation. 
you reckon there's another relegation bet to be had when you consider <laughs> that trio and Wolves? Is there another team lurking in the mix? Yeah, I think I think there is. I mean, I've got two of the relegate, uh, two of the new promoted sides to go down. And I think it'll be Sheffield United and Luton as well. So obviously that leaves one team to join them. Um, for me, I think it probably will be Wolves. Um, obviously, we just discussed them there. In terms of incomings, it's it's really been non-existent for the moment. And as you said, Dan, you know, having lost, you know, the likes of Jimenez and, and some of the attackers, you struggle to see where their goals are going to come from. And, and maybe a bit still in midfield. I think Neves a massive loss for them and they haven't felt like they haven't really replaced him. So Wolves, definitely a strong contender, go down. Nottingham Forest as well, obviously, they did well to start last season. Um, I think they will struggle this season. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely going to be in the next. They're obviously 5-2 to, to go down. So maybe some longer maybe some longer shots to go down. I think Crystal Palace could be one to keep an eye on. Obviously, you know, having just lost Wilfred Zaha, I think there's a possibility that maybe other good attackers go out. The likes of Elise, obviously, he's got that release clause. Um, I know a couple of clubs are kind of keeping an eye on Eze as well. So they were to lose one of those two um, and obviously add that into Zaha as well. I think that they could be in trouble there. West Ham, I, I think are an interesting one. They're 10 to 1 to go down. Um, I think they will have um, just enough to stay up, but maybe one to keep an eye on. To have lost Declan Rice, I think that was a massive blow for them. And it doesn't really feel like they've kind of added enough quality to, to, um, to really improve. And obviously last season... They worked, obviously, their, their form towards the end of the campaign was a bit better, but for the majority of it, they were really poor. So, um, yeah, I think West Ham might be one to keep an eye on at 10 to 1. But uh, for me, my bottom three, I'm, I think it's going to be Luton, Sheffield United, and uh, I think Wolves will join them. I think the relegation market all depends on how cast adrift, if they are, will Luton and Sheffield United be. Let's say they are kind of really struggling in the Premier League and clear by miles compared to the other clubs in the relegation battle, then you're looking at the likes of Wolves, Everton, Palace. They can't all go down. We're probably going to get a scenario like last season where Everton really should have gone down, but there were still three worse teams than them. You kind of look at the, the bottom six and you kind of think it's so cutthroat now that maybe teams are sort of just surviving, keeping their heads above water due to sort of lesser quality elsewhere. And it's more to do with the promoted teams rather than the quality of the league elsewhere. So something to look at, but... On paper now, you're looking at Luton, and Sheffield United and Wolves. It's going to be very hard for anyone to sort of break up that three at the moment. But, you know, only needs a bad season at Goodison or a bad season at Selhurst. And it's all going to be thrown into the mix. But we're going to go bet building once again. And what a clash to get started on Sunday. It's Chelsea playing host to Liverpool. And that means we're going to look to construct another winner. So Sam, you're up first. I'd like an anytime goal scorer from you, please. Yeah, so for me, it's going to be the Egyptian King, Mo Salah. 7-4. to four. I think that's... But I think it's the worst price. I mean, the thing that's obviously hindering us here is we know that it's been traditionally a low-scoring fixture as this one. But most Salah to score any time in any game, 7-4, to four, generally is going to catch my attention. In what was supposedly a disappointing season for him last season, he did bag 19 goals. So that's, an, that's a poor season for most Salah. I think he's going to in for another big season here. I think that uh, Trent coming into midfield this season is going to help him. Uh, I think that's how Klopp will play anyway. And I think that's going to create more chances for Mo. Uh, I think he's going to have to go out all attack, I think, really, this season. I think he's really going to look to attack the league. And I think Mo Salah's going to be a key part of that. So Mo Salah to start the season with the bang, 7-4. Like it. Jamie, can I get the over-under on the goals, please? Yeah, I mean, look, Sam mentioned there last season, obviously, both games ending nil-nil. Um, so that maybe is, is uh, goes against what I'm about to say. But I'm going to go for over 2.5 goals here. I think this is going to be an exciting game. 
Um, I think attacking-wise, these two teams are looking very good at the moment. Defensively, I have some question marks over both teams. I think Liverpool, there was a significant drop-off last season. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk wasn't quite the same player. I think, obviously, we, we know he had that big injury. And ever since he's come back, he hasn't been that amazing defender that he once was. Um, Chelsea, obviously a team that are very much under works under, under Maurizio Pochettino as well. So I think with, with two very exciting attacks on show, I think we're going to see plenty of goals here and I'm going to go for over 2.5. OK, then I'm going to go for Chelsea in the double chance market. So the Blues will have a lot to prove after such a poor showing last season and Maurizio Pochettino will also want to make his mark on a Premier League return. So adding questions regarding the strength of Liverpool's midfield and Chelsea will look to make use of that and the home advantage they are given on Sunday. I'm not going to go all in on the home win, but I don't see the Blues leaving empty-handed, and this is why it's a point at worst for Poch's men. OK, just to recap our three picks, Sam has gone for Mo Salah to score any time, Jamie's gone for over 2.5 goals at Stamford Bridge, and I've gone for at least a draw for Chelsea. That means 6-1 to one are the odds on Sunday, £10 on the betting slip, £70 in your back pocket if it gets over the line. I hope it gets over the line for you, I hope it gets over the line for us. But let's have a quick chat about the game itself now. And Sam, looking at Chelsea's squad... They've seemingly shorn themselves of all the biggest names, but is this exactly what Mucho Pochettino needs to do at Stamford Bridge? It's exactly what he needs to do. I think, how many players was in the, in the squad last season? Was it 40, 45-odd players that were hanging around? Um, yeah, the training ground, you can't, you just can't have that. I think it's impossible conditions for a manager to really work with and get to the crooks and crannies of knowing who he can rely on in his squad and who he's going to build his team around and who he's going to be starting each week. It's going to obviously cause unrest within the dressing room. Uh, so, I think that, yeah, I think Poch is obviously going to come in, get trying to get a good feeling in the dressing room. They've obviously cleared out a lot of Deadwood already. Saudi Arabia has done them a favour. They've taken a lot of the players. But even they've sold players, to, you know, to some teams in the Premier League and around Europe as well. So, there's been a lot of people going out of, of uh, Chelsea. But I think it was something that was definitely needed. Poch needs to now focus on having that sort of 22-25 people around the training ground and I think he's obviously on his way to doing that so definitely a good thing what Poch is doing and Jamie Liverpool are yet to agree a price on Romeo Lavia three attempts have failed do you reckon they'll be fourth time lucky for the Southampton midfielder yeah look I'm, I'm probably going to contradict myself a little bit from last week because we discussed about James Ward Prowse and, and Lavia both going out the club um, and I think that will be the case I, I said that maybe one of them might stay obviously Ward Prowse he looks like he's going to be on his way to West Ham um, and, and Lavia, I think he will avenge, end up uh, joining Liverpool. Um, he wasn't in the squad for, for their Carabao Cup game against Gillingham. So I think that, that was a sign that maybe um, negotiations are going in the right direction. Um, I think the fact that Southampton are willing to kind of negotiate. Um, and, I, and I think eventually, you know, Liverpool, they don't seem too far away from, from matching what Southampton wants. So I think some sort of compromise will be found. And for Southampton, you know, to, to get... What 40, 45 million pounds for a player like Romeo Lavia? Um, I think he's an excellent player, um, but I think to make a big profit like that would would be huge for Southampton. So a deal will eventually get done. Um, I think as well the player seems to be pushing for the move. So it's only a matter of time, and uh, I, I think this will be a fantastic sign of Liverpool. I think maybe forty five million pounds, as I said, is, is a lot of money for for this sort of player. Obviously, a young guy and, and a lot of improving still to do. But I think he's kind of got all the attributes that Liverpool really need from a midfield. Obviously, defensively, he's very good. Um, I remember at times being very impressed with him on the ball as well. Um, I think it was in particular last season when, when Southampton, I think they drew with Arsenal. And that, that was a game he really impressed me in. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'll be a good signing for Liverpool. I think they've done some good business so far. Obviously, McAllister, Shoboslai as well. So, yeah, Liverpool have done well in the market and uh, I think Lavia would, would be an excellent signing for them. Now, Sam, let's pivot back to Sunday matters on the field. So, if we're looking at this game from a half-time, full-time point of view, how do you see it panning out in West London? So, the last six meetings between the sides have both ended in draw, have all ended in draws. The last four meetings between the sides have been a nil-nil draw. So, surprise, surprise, I'll be going for half-time draw and full-time draw as my bet. Now, Jamie, when we look at the overall outcome of the game, Sam's mentioned the draw. I'm going to mention it to you. You can get 12-5 to five on that. Considering the opposition difficulty for both teams, would a point for either be the worst thing in the world? I, I think it'd be a good. I think it'd be a good point for both teams if they were to get it. Um, you know, we've mentioned now last season both games ending nil nil, um, both ending in a draw, of course. Um, but I think both teams here definitely would take that point. I think obviously Chelsea they've just lost in Kunku. I think that that is a that's a big blow for them. Obviously, he looked really good during preseason and uh, kind of to miss that creative spark and, and maybe a source of goals would be uh, massive for them. Liverpool way, obviously, they're coming up against this unknown entity in Chelsea who do look very good in pre-season. So, I think away at Stamford Bridge on the opening day, I don't think it would be the worst point in the world. So, I think from, from both perspectives, uh, I think a draw, as I said, would be a good result. So, yeah, and uh, later on in the show, I, I will kind of mention that I do think this will end in a, a high-scoring draw. But, uh, yes, a draw for me is, is definitely the way to go. Keep your powder dry, Jamie, because now it's time for the long shot acker. We go anywhere in the world on the hunt for odds between 2-1 to one and 5-1. to one. So, Sam, you're up first this week. What have you got for me? Well, it's literally that game we just spoke about. Uh, it's doing in charts Liverpool draw 5-2. to two. I just think it's a solid-looking bet. And I think, um, I think in terms of value, you can't really... I can't look past the stats there. I think they're going to be quite evenly matched again when it comes to the game this weekend. Uh, I think they'll both kind of cancel each other out. So, yeah, Chelsea versus Liverpool for the draw to start us off. 5-2. to two. Lovely stuff. And, Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I'm going to go for Southampton to get another win. Of course, they were victorious in their opening game of the season. Um, they faced Norwich here. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, obviously Norwich, they did win their opening game as well. But for me, Southampton, I do like the look of them, despite the fact that, as we mentioned, going to lose Lavia and potentially Warprow as well. I still think they've got a nice squad there. Um, and I'm going to go for them to win and for both teams to score in this one at 23-10. to 10. Fantastic. I'm off to the Premier League and I think we're going to have a shock from one of the new boys. Sheffield United players to Crystal Palace and the Eagles are no longer able to call on the talents or Wilf Sahar. Yes, they do have exciting players in the squad for Roy Hodgson to work with, but I think this season is going to be one of his biggest challenges across his illustrious career. Also, one wonders if we're going to see the Palace that played with the freedom at the back in the last season or it's the usual Roy Hodgson football that we all know and love. Sheffield United will be keen to prove they're not going to be the whipping boys in the division, and although they may be across the 38 games, what better way to go about trying to distill that rumour than earning an opening weekend win? And that's his price at 2-1. to one. Right, let's focus on some more Premier League topics now. And first up, we go to the Vitality Stadiums. Bournemouth play host to West Ham. The Cherries have switched managers in the summer. Sam, can it see an early reward with a home win odds of 13-8? to eight? Do you know what? I have a little feeling that Bournemouth might be quick out of the traps and claim an early win. Uh, the board clearly have ambitions of getting Bournemouth to be a mid-table side this season, if you listen to any of their interviews, they've got a clear vision in which they want to be playing high-intensity, uh, attacking football. And I think that's what, obviously the reason why they brought in the new manager, Irala. So, he'll be drilling the lads in pre-season. I'm sure he'll be getting to know uh, the squad. He's got some big boots to fill, obviously, after the sacking of Gary O'Neill. But I've got a feeling they might just nick a narrow win here this weekend. So, yeah, 13-8 to 8 is tempting me. 
Okay, Jamie, what do you make of West Ham's issues over the summer? They've only just signed their first player a few days ago. Admittedly, Maguire and Ward-Prowse are in the pipeline, so not over the line yet. However, Declan Rice has moved on, even Skamaka has moved on. Is this going to be a difficult opener for the Hammers on Saturday? Yeah, I, I do think it will be, and actually, I, I agree with Sam. I think that this could potentially be one where Bournemouth come out on top. Um, I think it's a tricky start against a, a Bournemouth side who are going to be very unpredictable this season. Obviously, we know we made they made that managerial change over the summer. Um, I think, obviously, that I know a lot of people were very um, angry about it. Obviously, with Gary O'Neill doing a great job in terms of keeping Bournemouth up last season, I think a lot of people expected them to go down. But maybe this is a sign that they want to be slightly more ambitious. They want to try and kick on, and so. Uh, I'm really interested to see how they get on this season. Um, obviously, we, we we saw this guy, um, the Spaniard, coming in. He did a very good job at Real Vallecano. Obviously, th three straight seasons, he managed to keep them in La Liga. So, I think they might be looking at that as, as, as a team, obviously, that played good football as well. So, yeah, as I said, interested to see how they do get on. I mentioned earlier in the show about West Ham. Um, I think they're in for a difficult season. I think that Jared Bowen is really only the reliable source of goals in that squad. Um, Declan Rice is just such a big loss for them. I know, obviously, they have got players coming in. I think uh, Edson Alvarez from Ajax, a player who might come in to replace him. But I just don't think they've quite done enough to, to replace a player like that. I think he was just so good for them last season, Declan Rice. And, uh, yeah, losing him is going to be a big blow. So, uh, I'm very tempted by a Bournemouth win hit and the, the Cherries to get off to a good start to the season. OK, let's stay along the South Coast as Brighton play host to Premier League debutants Luton. And Sam, in terms of a top six finish, you can get 13-8 to eight on the Seagulls repeating their efforts of last time around. Do you think this is achievable or will the established sides be getting their houses in order? I don't think the odds are too far off. I, I've got a feeling that it might be a little bit out of their reach this season. Obviously, it remains to be seen what's going to happen in the transfer window uh, remaining. Obviously, Kai Cedo is going to be a massive one. Uh, but I think that European football might also damage the chances of a top six finish this season. I expect them to be around eighth or ninth, uh, which I still think is a major achievement, to be honest with you. I'm just looking at the likes of Aston Villa and Newcastle, who've got this crazy spending power. And I think Emery's doing something really special at Villa. I think Eddie Howe's doing obviously something special at Newcastle as well. Uh, not to say what Brighton aren't doing is special, but I think in terms of financial resources, I think that could play a massive part in it. I also think the loss of McAllister as well is a massive one for me. Uh, in the middle of the park with Brighton. Um, so, yeah, regardless of the money that they might get for potentially Caicedo and McAllister, it's whether they can integrate new signings with that money in time. Will it cost them? You know, we, we might see a sluggish start to the season potentially. And I think when it comes down to it, when there's more and more games for Brighton to play, I think you might see them drop off a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, Brighton fans, I don't see it going quite as well this season for you. OK, let's focus on their game on Saturday, Jamie. I want to focus on the both teams to score market. Luton will be keen to impress. They may not get a win. They might have a goal to celebrate, if nothing else. So do you reckon they and the Seagulls can get on the score sheet at evens? Mm, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think this is going to be a very tricky opening game for Luton. I think that Brighton are going to have a good season. I, I, again, I agree with Sam. I don't think they're quite going to be as high as they were last season. But they're still a fantastic team. Obviously, what Deserby's doing there is, is brilliant. Um, obviously, Mohamed Kudus, he looks like he's going to be coming in um, on the South Coast. He looks like a really good player. So that's going to be another, you know, really good addition for them. But defensively, I think I think they have, were really strong last season. So, um, yeah, I think they will keep a clean sheet here on the weekends. Um, and so I'm, I, I like that for the win to nil with 11 to 10. I just um, I just think they are going to have too much for to, to kind of keep 
um, Luton at bay here. And uh, in terms of Luton as well, do they have the firepower to, to break down this Brighton defence? I don't think so. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a Brighton win to nil at 11 to 10. OK, let's talk about firepower, but let's go to Goodison Park as Everton play host to Fulham. Now, Sam, the Toffees haven't really solved their scoring issues, albeit Dominic Carrick-Lewin is approaching full fitness. With that in mind, does this fixture have all the hallmarks of under 2.5 goals or odds of 10 to 11? Do you know what? I was feeling this, yeah. I'm going to be back in doing this in this one. I think this could be a classic Deitch uh, performance, this one. Um, and I am a little bit worried about Everton's attacking output this season. I don't think you can rely on Dominic Calvert-Lewin to stay fit for a season. Obviously, with Damari Gray issues and stuff like that as well. I mean, he was a big figure for me. Obviously, he didn't play so much under Deitch, but I think he was a big part of Everton's season last season. I'm just struggling to see where the goals are coming from. Uh, so I think this could be one of them where it's a bit of a boring game, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, under 2.5 goals is where I'd be putting my money. OK, and Jamie, let's look at it from a Fulham point of view. Raul Jimenez has moved to Craven Cottage over the summer. Do you reckon he's there to compliment Alexander Mitrovic or will the Mexican end up serving as his replacement? How do you think the attack line is going to shape up on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, obviously that move for Mitrovic has kind of gone a little bit quiet and uh, I actually think for now, I, I think he probably will stay if I was to kind of be pushed for an answer whether he would stay or not. Um, I think to start the season, I think Jimenez is very likely to do that, obviously, with Mitrovic's future uncertain. I think that he might kind of stay out the team. Hasn't played a lot of pre-season either, Mitrovic. I think we've, we've seen Jimenez. He started on the weekend against Hoffenheim. Um, Carlos Vinicius started in the other games as well. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe Mitrovic does kind of come back into the team. But it would be such a big blow to lose them, I think, to go from uh, to go from Mitrovic to, to Jimenez, who I do think is a good player, by the way. But look, obviously, ever since he's had that head injury, he's not been quite the same. Maybe in a new environment, in a new system, he might kind of get back to where he was. Obviously, in that fantastic form that he had at Wolves. But uh, yeah, I just think it's such a big drop-off. I think that's going to be a big blow for Fulham this season. If they were to lose Mitrovic, I said I don't think they will eventually do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, I think Mitrovic to stay and uh, that, that, would be, that would be fantastic for Fulham because they do not want to lose a player who's going to score that many goals. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a nervy summer for Fulham fans that in a week you had Mitrovic being linked to Saudi Arabia, you had Marco Silva, the manager, also being linked to Saudi Arabia. Nothing's happened there, so they can breathe a bit more easier. But I guess with that Saudi transfer window shutting in mid to late September, I think Silva's still obviously going to be in play for the campaign as a manager for, for as long as he's in charge if results go against him. But Mitrovic, I guess there's that lingering doubt until that Saudi window shuts. And if it does happen that Mitrovic goes... You then ask questions about Raul Jimenez. I mentioned earlier about he's not been the same striker since that injury, and that's understandable, but is it going to be enough to cover Fulham? But again, it goes back to the point that there are going to be, it looks like, worse teams than Fulham. So if they can build on last season or the same position, I don't know, like you know, 11th, 12th, 13th, that's not a bad campaign for them at all. Now let's look at the Golden Boot. It's never a bad campaign if you win that. And Sam, Erling Haaland is the obvious choice to win it again at 8-13. to 13. Do you reckon Lightning is going to strike twice? Yeah, I think you just said it there. It's the obvious choice. I think I think it will. I think I just can't see how it can't be, to be quite honest with you. Obviously, we, we don't know what's happening with Harry Kane, but there is a market there that I'd probably be more tempted by. So, you can actually bet on the uh, market without Haaland involved. So, Golden Boot winner without Haaland involved. You can get Harry Kane at 4-1. to one. So, I think if he stays at Spurs for the season, I think Harry Kane is the man for me. Uh, obviously, bagged. 29 goals last season so that was a huge a huge number 
Uh, I think it was like nine and ten ahead of even Tony, who was in third place. So, for me, if he stays at Spurs, obviously they're banking on him, firing him to probably the Champions League. I think it's obviously what Daniel Levy is hoping. Um, you know, obviously there's, they're rejecting bids of we're talking 100 million plus for Harry Kane. He obviously values Harry Kane getting to the Champions League at that price. So, I think everything, all eggs in the basket of Harry Kane. So, I think the market for me would actually be um, Harry Kane to win the Golden Boot without uh, Erling Haaland at 4-1. OK, Jamie, let's stay on the topic of Harry Kane because he recorded some incredible numbers last season. If it weren't for Haaland's output, that's mm. a really great season, you know. But it's kind of gone under the radar due to the numbers of the Norwegian. However, yeah. as Sam says, you've got that insurance bet without Haaland in the market. I want to offer you 7-1 to one with Haaland in the market. Do you reckon Kane can win the Golden Boot back? Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think you can look past Harley Haaland, unfortunately. As much as I would obviously love Harry Kane to kind of win it with Spurs, I just think Haaland will be too good. But with Harry Kane, I think it's going to be a really interesting season. As I said, I do think he will end up staying. Um, obviously, with, with Ange Postacoglu, now the manager, I think we're going to see a much more attacking Spurs team. Um, obviously, again, we've added the likes of James Madison coming into the team as well. So a bit more creativity and someone who can maybe look to kind of unlock Harry Kane to score even more goals. But... Yeah, I mean, what he did last season was was hugely impressive. And uh, I'd even argue it was more impressive than Haaland scoring 36 goals. Of course, Harry Kane got in 30 in a really poor Spurs team that was very defensive, very boring to watch. Obviously, a team that ended up eighth as well. So to score 30 goals in the league in, in, in that sort of team was really impressive. And uh, look, it'll be interesting to kind of see how he does in a more attack-minded team. As I said, with, with James Madison behind him, I think those two are going to have a really good connection this season. So... Uh, yeah, really excited to kind of see that duo if Harry Kane does stay. But uh, yeah, for me, I think in this market, Haaland is, is definitely the way to go, unfortunately. Right, before we move on, I want a correct score bet from you both. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. I just want that outcome spot on. So Sam, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, so for me, I'm going to Monday night's fixture between Manchester United and Wolves at Old Trafford. I think United are going to win. I think they'll keep a clean sheet and I'm back in Manchester United to take it 2-0 at 6-1. to Lovely stuff. And Jamie, what have you got? Yeah, I said, obviously, with Liverpool and Chelsea, expecting a draw, expecting a game with lots of goals, obviously, with so many attacking talents on, on show. So I'm going to go for a tool draw, obviously. That'll be a really good game to watch if that was the case. Um, and can get that at 10-1. to Well, I like the sound of that. I think that's a great shout, especially as it ties into your over 2.5 pick in the bet builder so good logic there but of course check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this weekend right let's mop up some more Premier League headlines and next up we go to Bramall Lane as Sheffield United players to Crystal Palace Sam I mentioned them in the long shot acker have you got the same logic can the Blades win without Wilf Sahar at Palace it's about 15 to 8 2 to 1 what's your take I can't say I'm massively confident in this one but you know what if there's ever a time that Sheffield United are going to pick up a win I think it's going to be this game here Obviously, going to be a massive buzz around Bramall. Uh, first game of the season. I think the 15 to 8 is not the worst price. Uh, they, could catch, um, they could catch the Eagles out early doors. Obviously, losing a die for me was a massive blow. I do think, unfortunately, Sheffield United are in for a long season. I do actually have them going down. But I think early momentum is going to be key. And I think if they're going to pick up results, I think it could be at this stage of the season. So, if there's ever a time to back them, I think now is the time. And 15 to 8 isn't the worst price. OK, Jamie, let's look on the flip side. We can play it rather safe and go with Palace in a double chance. That's picking up at least a point on the road at just two to five. Would you put that in an acker at the weekend? 
Mm. Oh, well, interesting, because I'm, I'm going to go in a different direction from Sam here. I do think the Palace will get off to a good start here and, uh, and maybe get the win. Um, I mentioned earlier, I do think they may be a side to keep an eye on in terms of the relegation market, but that's only if they lose the likes of Eze or an Elise. And uh, obviously at the moment, they're both still there. And uh, I think that that will kind of have enough for them to get over the line here at Bramall Lane and win. Um, Sheffield United, um, I, th- I think we all kind of discussed it. I think they're going to have a really difficult season. Again, we mentioned Ndai losing him. That's a big blow for them. So, uh, yeah, I think Palace, they need to get up to a good start in case they lose another one of their key players. Um, and and uh, I think this is a nice little start for them. I know obviously it's away from home, uh, but uh, I think they'll have enough to win here at 11-8. to OK, next up we go to St James's Park and Sam's beloved Newcastle. Not the easiest start to a Premier League season as Aston Villa come to town. But if you're looking for a value bet, Sam, what can you tempt the listeners with? So I think the value here is actually in the draw. Uh, Villa just aren't intimidated by us like a lot of clubs we've seen come and say James Park have been over the last season already how uh, we played a pre-season friendly with them a couple of weeks back and to be fair they had us against the ropes early doors uh, we messed about with our formation obviously in that one <laughs> which um, yeah we got caught out on and I think we addressed it we managed to get to grips with the game and uh, so we were 2-0 down early doors but we managed to get a free or draw but Unai Emery you know I think their, their style kind of Suits us a little bit. Suits them, sorry, a little bit when it comes to playing us. I think it's one of them games where we kind of like there's no there's no clear favourite in it. I think we've both got pretty evenly matched squads to be quite honest with you as well. I think they've both got a style of play which we clearly want to play with. I just think yeah, a draw three to one is where I'd be looking at it last looking at it. I mean they beat us three 0 last season as well. That one still uh, is living rent free in my head as well. So I think here a draw is where I'm putting my money at three to one. Okay, and Jamie, there's going to be plenty of attacking talent on time side for both sides. So plenty to choose from in the anytime goalscorer market. But which player or players take your fancy before Sunday? Yeah, well, talking about rent free in my head, I think uh, Alexander Izak is definitely that sort of player. Obviously, <laughs> absolutely destroyed Spurs last season. And uh, I think he's going to have a brilliant season for Newcastle this year. And I think he's going to get off to the perfect start here. So for me, Isaac, 100% the pick, 7-2 uh, to, score, to score the first goal. Um, I think he's going to have a big season uh, here. As I said, I think he's a massive talent. Um, maybe other ones to keep an eye on as well is um, obviously on the, on the other side, Diaby. I think that's a big signing for Aston Villa. I really like the look of him. He's 9-1 to one to score the first goal. He's 3-1 to one to score any time as well. So I like the price of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go for Alexander Isaac here um, as, as the goal scorer. OK, next up, we're going to drive down to West London as Brentford play host to Tottenham. And Sam, the big question is how the Bees sting their opponents without Ivan Tony. So it was a two-all draw in West London last season. 12-1 to for the same on Sunday. Is that of interest at all? Do you know what? Yeah, 2-2, two, two, shy, shy, hush, hush, either <laughs> way. Yes, I do. Uh, I actually fancied this game's a draw anyway. Now you've brought that to my attention. Both teams getting the score sheet is one that I definitely like to look off. So yeah, straight in my basket, Dan. Okay, and Jamie, Tottenham's defence is still going to be a work in progress for a few weeks at least. If you want to lean into that, how does the away win, but both teams scoring at 10-3, to 3, sound to you? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's very difficult to kind of say which way it's going to go for Spurs. Um, I I love I love Ange Postecoglou. I think it's definitely the perfect appointment for Spurs. Um, obviously, we know he's going to play a very tacking style of play and how that's going to work out. I think it's going to be very entertaining, but, you know, maybe defensively, as you said, it's going to kind of leave us very exposed and 
I think it's a lot of work to still be done on that Spurs defence. So I think that Spurs are going to be a team that do concede plenty of goals this season. And I think Brentford will take advantage of that. So in terms of both teams scoring, I would definitely go that way. Maybe the only caveat I'd add to that is I think it looks like Brighton's attack has been slightly decimated. Um, obviously, no Ivan Tony is going to be big for them. And Burma as well, he obviously went off injured during pre-season. So I think he's going to be a slight doubt for the game. So that's maybe kind of, as I said, adding a little bit of a caveat. Um, but Spurs, yeah, going to be really interesting this, this season. Um, we've not seen a lot of them either. Obviously, only three pre-season matches we've played as well. So, um, yeah, obviously not, not seen a lot of Spurs either and, and kind of how it's going to pan out. So both teams to score. In terms of a result, I, th- I think it's just so difficult to call at the moment. So uh, all I'm going to say here is that I, I think both teams to score. Definitely one to add here. OK, then let's go to Old Trafford to round things off. Monday night sees Manchester United play host to Wolves. Now, Sam, the Red Devils are certainly favourites to come out on top. Could the value be found in a home win and under 2.5 goals or to 13-10? to 10? Well, I absolutely have to agree with you now because obviously I gave my correct prediction earlier for Manchester United to win 2-0. So, yeah, I fancy Manchester United to come out on top at Old Trafford against a very cautious Wolves side. I think it's going to be one of them games where Wolves will try and contain Manchester United for as long as they can. But ultimately, Manchester United, I do think, will just have too much for them at home. And Jamie, the focus is going to be placed on United's new signing, Rasmus Joyland. However, he's injured after making his move from Atalanta only recently. With that in mind, what alternatives have you got when it comes to anytime goal scorers? Yeah, I, I think a Manchester United win, as we all said, I think that that's going to be the way to go here. I think with Wolves, we, we mentioned earlier, they've had a really difficult transfer window, obviously just losing Lopetegui as well. So a um, bit of uncertainty there. It's, it's not been an the ideal start to the season. Manchester United, I think they've made some good additions in the transfer window that looked fairly decent in pre-season. I know maybe the results haven't been the best, but um, I, I still think they're going to be a side that can be right up there next season. I think I mentioned at the start of the show, maybe they are the ones, if any any team's going to push, push the top two, they're the ones to do it. Um, and I think that it's, it's, it's just the perfect start for them, really. So, uh, yeah, Manchester United win. Um, and, and the person to step up, I think it's going to be Rashford, obviously, was absolutely superb last season. Um, I think he's going to be playing maybe centrally whilst uh, whilst Hoyland's out. So uh, I'm going to go for him to score twice, uh, twice or more. Um, and a Manchester United win, combine those two, uh, you get four to one. And uh, I really like the look of that price. I like the sound of that as well. But it's time for our final bit of business. It's the odds on threefold. We all pick a leg each. We combine it into an acker. We try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another winner over the line. So Sam, you're up first. What have you got for me? So I'm going to go for Leicester City to beat Huddersfield away. 7-10 is the price. I think it's about right is the price. Uh, but I do like the look of the bet. I think Leicester, obviously, we know they've got a ridiculous attacking um, team, haven't they? I think the, to be honest with you, they've got probably the best attacking output in the in the championship this season. If you look at the players they've got available to them, Iron Hat Show, obviously Dakar, Jamie Vardy there. I think they're going to have a really good season if they keep them free there. So I think Leicester to beat Huddersfield. I think Huddersfield are in for a long season as well, unfortunately. Leicester obviously got to a winning start last weekend. And I think they'll get back-to-back wins here. 7-10 looks a good price to me. Lovely stuff. Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I'm going to go for Millwall to get another win and and then for them to beat Bristol City on the weekend. Uh, they're 5-6 to six to do so. Um, they made a really good start in their, their opening game. They won away at Middlesbrough. And uh, as I said, I think they'll get another win on the board here. Um, they face the Bristol City side, who drew one all at home to Preston. Um, so I think that Millwall will look to take advantage of them at the Den and uh, I think they'll get the win at 5-6. to six. 
Okay, I'm going to make it a championship treble. I'm off to Vicarage Road as Watford play host to Plymouth. Both teams won their opening fixture of the season and will be keen to build on impressive showings last Saturday. Watford's was arguably the more impressive as they put four goals past QPR in the first half. Then again, a lot can be said for how bad QPR were at the same time. However, the Hornets are at home again and I think promoted Plymouth are going to struggle in this one. The home win is 7-10 at present and this is going on the betting slip. Right, that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Sam, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Absolute pleasure, mate. Hopefully some winners, boys. Uh, love to do the show with you today. Some good insight from both of there as well. So, yeah, looking forward to see how we get on. Absolutely. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, no, all good, Dan. And, uh, yeah, really exciting to kind of talk about the Premier League again. Um, I'm really excited for it to start back up again. Um, as I said, obviously, watching Spurs last night in Barcelona, some really encouraging signs there. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that opener against Brentford. And, uh, yeah, so many exciting games. I think that Newcastle game against Villa, that's a really interesting one to keep an eye on. Chelsea-Liverpool as well. And, uh, yeah, plenty of really exciting matches. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers, mate. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>